Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 475, being recorded on the 4th of October, 2023. With special guests, Alice Gibbons and Kendall Roden, actually, who's going to be serving both as uh, our special guest today as well as uh, doing her usual duty as our co-host. So, uh, It'll be interesting. I think this is about the third time you've been a guest on the show, Kendall. Yeah, I think this is the third time, actually, which is exciting. And it's always been a very different topic. So Exactly. Yeah, from, from, from the college days, I think it was the first one. And I forget what the second episode was about. And then uh, Container Ops, I think. Container I think it was apps. right when I joined the Container Ops team. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Well, uh, before we uh, get to Alison Kendall on uh, a very interesting uh, uh, topic and service that uh, uh, they offer, and they're representing their uh, uh, partner companies, uh, Diagrid, uh, who both of them work for now, and some of the offerings that they have on Azure. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before that, let's cover a couple of news items. And honestly, uh, not a whole lot this uh, week. I was kind of uh, I was looking through all the updates. And essentially, there's just a slew of, uh, you know, services that are being retired or things that are being going out of scope or service uh, support and things like that. So uh, I just want to encourage our listeners to keep an eye, you know, go to the Azure updates and just make sure that none of them are, are being, uh, you're going to be impacted by any of those updates, right? Because it's just like, just too too many of them to have been announced here. Uh, they're, they're, uh, there's a lot of batch uh, API uh, decommissioning and ex- and things like that going on. So please take a look at that. But I'll, I'll tell you of a couple of things that did uh, come up as uh, news. And one is uh, something that's pretty cool, uh, the Azure Data Explorer add-on for Splunk. And Splunk's pretty uh, popular these days. Uh, didn't they get bought out recently? I, I forget uh, who bought Splunk. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, but they are popular. I will say that. They are popular, sure. yeah. And uh, and, and uh, Azure Data Explorer, as you know, is our, uh, you know, large uh, uh data management uh, system to get and do analytics and real-time analysis of all this data. And of course, Splunk, uh, there's a lot of data in Splunk. So you kind of put them together and uh, you can get the best of both worlds. So that's certainly something to look forward to. And also in the realm of uh, big data is HD Insights for AKS. And so now AKS lets you run HD Insights, uh, you know, workloads uh, right within your cluster itself. and uh, that's in, that, that would be pretty interesting for folks because, you know, a lot of people standardize on AKS and they want to run all their workloads on AKS. Um, and so this is uh, another easy way to do it by running uh, the HD Insights there. All right. So uh, that's kind of, like I said, uh, for the so update. Jude, I had, a, I had a couple others, too, just to throw in my like, co-host ahead. hat. 
So one of them is uh, Container Apps now has the like Azure Savings Plan support. So I know that this is like pretty interesting because the whole, you know, it came out and it's a pay-as-you-go service or like a consumption-based plan. But then obviously with like the dedicated uh, options coming in. So yeah, it looks like now you can actually get like 15 to 17% savings if you go ahead and like commit upfront, which is interesting. I don't 100% know how that would work, but it sounds like they're they're now supporting that as of a couple of days ago. And then the other one I saw this morning when I logged on is that there's a data center in Italy now, which... Uh, yeah, I just think that's awesome. It's our first like Italian-based data center. Yeah. So if you're looking to host some Italian, uh, some data, like some uh, some data or some compute in Italy, we now have uh, a data center. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're looking to store some Italian apps, I'm like I don't know if the apps themselves are Italian, but <laughs> yeah, I so was an I Italian the, minor in college, so I'm a big fan, big fan of Italy. Yeah, and and I suppose the advantage of that is uh, if you if uh, you have Italian data residency requirements, in mm -hmm. other words, your data has to reside in Italy for compliance reasons. Uh, that's something that is will be very important to you. Uh, so, mm -hmm. glad to hear that. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the, uh, for those updates, Kendall. Let's get over to uh, our uh, well. You know, everyone knows Kendall, of course. Uh, so, but. Uh, Alice, uh, I'll let you go first, introduce yourself, and Kendall, you can introduce your uh, your, your role uh, at iGrid as well. So go ahead, Alice. Awesome. Thanks, Sujit. Yeah, and thanks for having us on the Azure podcast. I've definitely listened to this a couple of times, so I'm familiar. I am definitely a fan. Um, my name is Alice Gibbons. I am a customer success engineer here at Diagrid. Um, and I sort of I, I get to help, you know, customers with our all of our tooling that revolves around the Dapper project, as well as, uh, you know, architecture sessions, technical support and kind of just working through like customer problems on their end. But before that, I was at Microsoft for a number of years. I was a cloud solution architect in the Azure application development space, and I was on the global black belt team with where I met Kendall. Um, again, working on open source projects, things like Dapper, Kubernetes. You, you know the giant list of Azure application development services that falls under that role. So, yeah, nice to uh, nice to be here. That's great. Yeah, and Kendall, uh, go ahead and also kind of give us a background on Diagrid uh, just uh, at a quick high level. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I also want to give some additional kudos to Alice because uh, for those of you who don't know, Diagrid is a, a fairly new company. We've been around now, I don't know, Alice, what, a year and a half-ish? Yeah, about. Uh, mm -hmm. Like maybe little bit over that, right? So we have, we're about like 25 strong. Alice is the only customer success engineer right now. So she really is like complete boots on the ground, like handling everything, especially for our first product, um, which launched, I don't know, when did the conductor launch now? Probably a, at least about a year a, ago. About a year. Yeah. October yeah. of 2022. So exactly a year. Yeah, so she's she really is like such an essential role in helping, you know, work on these partnerships and and frankly, just like being the representative of the product customers. So just want to like make sure uh, that like give a little bit more context there from my perspective. But yeah, I mean, most of y'all know around January, I or December, January timeframe, I left Microsoft and transitioned over uh, to, to working at Diagrid and essentially just helping from a product management perspective. So really focusing on uh, feature enhancements, the direction of the company as a whole, our product portfolio, like the breadth of that, right? What are the new products that we want to incubate? What are ways that we want to essentially uh, stick to our core mission, which is making developer tools and services that essentially enable developers to be more productive and to build distributed apps more quickly. And uh, it's obviously a big problem space. Like we all know the, the challenges that come with microservices development and, you know, if you're if you're unfamiliar, Diagrid as a company 
which once again is a year and a half old, is started by um, Mark Fussell and Jeroen Schneider, who are the founders of the Distributed Application Runtime or Dapper project. So a lot of the core values and the mission that they set out to accomplish when they created Dapper for you know, conquering distributed applications, making them easier to run, is essentially a lot of the same motivation for why Diagrid was created, is like how do we elevate um, what we're doing with Dapper and continue to A, make it easier to use, B, make sure that we're unlocking its potential um, and making it more accessible to more people. So that's like really kind of the cornerstone of what Diagrid is, who started it. And so a lot of us, uh, you know, we came from Microsoft, um, Mark, your own, both from Microsoft, Alice and myself, and then we have several others, but then we have a great contingency of other amazing engineers um, and folks from a bunch of different organizations, tech companies with a lot of great experience. Uh, all really passionate about developer, the developer space and specifically streamlining application development and solving developer challenges. So it's kind of our like high level mission, I would say. And uh, so you did mention, uh, you know, some of the, the conductor uh, application or tool set. Uh, and um, can I give us some uh, insight into that? And, you know, kind of especially uh, how it kind of lends itself into uh, AKS and I guess other Kubernetes uh, in, in general as well. Yeah, for sure. Alex, yeah, so yeah, yeah, happy to start with that one. Um, essentially, what had happened, right, is so when Mark and Jerome were both at Microsoft, they co-created the Dapper project, as Kendall mentioned, but then they also uh, got to work with so many different customers who were using Dapper in production. And most of these are enterprises, which is uh, kind of like wild for a open source project, honestly. Um, and they realized, you know, there are hundreds of problems that kind of needed to be solved uh, hosting Dapper, specifically on Kubernetes, which is where over 90% of Dapper workloads are running these days, especially in production. And so they decided, you know, it would be great to create some sort of tool um, that helps users run Dapper on Kubernetes and lower the operational burden. Because you know, it's not necessarily Dapper that is hard, but it is like Kubernetes. I think that's like kind of a, a known thing, especially in the cloud native ecosystem, right? And so what Conductor does, it's a SaaS solution and it solves many different problems uh, for running Dapper on Kubernetes, things like automated upgrades, uh, visualization, uh, but has, you know, best practice kind of production recommendation advisories. We think we have over 40 of those now um, that are like automatically kind of baked into your cluster. So you just connect your cluster to Conductor um, and you get these automatic recommendations essentially based on production best practices and you know our team working with you know over hundreds of people working with Dapper in production. Um, as well as many other things, there's a automatic certificate rotation from an MTLS perspective. Um, that's something that the open source project doesn't give you, as well as uh, we also have like uh, cost recommendations for lowering kind of the cost of running Dapper on Kubernetes. Because uh, if you are familiar with Dapper, it runs as a sidecar pattern and you can, uh, you know, end up using more resources, maybe necessarily than you want to within your cluster um, just by running by running the control plane as well as the sidecars. So yeah, it sort of is a, it's a large SASH solution that kind of gives you like the lowering the overhead of running Dapper on Kubernetes and then giving you kind of best practices for production. So that's interesting. So uh, if, let's say if I have an AKS cluster, right? And I'm planning to get that prepped up for, for running Dapper. Yeah. Uh, explain to me like what the mechanics are to, you said something about connecting it to Diagrid or connecting it to your SaaS solution, I believe. So how does that work? Like, what, is, what are the mechanics around that? 
Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you you did mention on AKS. So it, it runs on kind of we run all the main we can run all the main cloud distributions today. So that's like AKS, EKS, GKE, or you know, we have many customers that run local Kubernetes distributions, um, whether that be, you know, Kine or Minikube or something on their local machine. Um, and then we do also support OpenShift, and that includes like Azure, Red Hat OpenShift or Aro. But essentially, in order to install, all you have to do is install the conductor agent on your cluster. So I would be playing the role of like a cluster admin or something. And I would essentially take the, uh, I would create what's called a cluster connection within conductor. And I would create this and I would install this. It's a very tiny agent, runs on your cluster, and this reaches outbound from your cluster itself into what, you know, the Diagrid cloud. Um, essentially our SaaS service that powers a dashboard that has a bunch of visualization as well as um, opportunities for, you know, managing the entire Dapper upgrade and uh, rollback process if necessary, as well as um, some of the advisories and the other features I was talking about before. But yeah, essentially you just install an agent. It's, it's a Kubernetes deployment and a daemon set that gets installed on your cluster. Um, and then it reports back these insights kind of immediately. I will say too, Sid, you just sat on like something that is, is good to clarify early on as well, is that like really today, Conductor is very much like an operational tool. So there's not a lot of like, uh, hey, I'm going into Conductor and I'm actually sending commands or I'm deploying Helm charts from there or making configuration changes. Now, that's not to say that we never want to get into the space of being able to better help people make quick changes if that's something they, they're interested in doing. Um, but just kind of wanted to call out that it's really more, you know, everything's still running on your cluster. All of your data is staying there. We obfuscate, you know, sensitive details and information. And really it's more like, and it's not on your hot path, right? So if if conductor as an if the conductor agent was to go down, it doesn't actually impact your the ability to use Dapper, right? Dapper is going to continue to run. The control plane will continue to run. What you lose is sort of that visibility or the ability to upgrade, you know, for that momentary second. Uh, not to say you should expect it to go down, but the you know the reality is it does bring customers peace of mind to know it's not. Hey, if this goes down, my entire workload is going to go down, or Dapper is going to stop functioning. So yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. But Alice, feel free to yeah, in and no. That's yeah, great point, Kendall. I was just going to say, like, it does manage that Dapper control plane, which, you know, if you're not familiar, the Dapper control plane needs to be kind of kept up at all times in order for your Dapper applications and sidecars to be running and communicating effectively uh, with each other. But yeah, the essentially the management of that Dapper control plane, those pods are offloaded to the agent. But yeah, as Kendall mentioned, if the agent itself goes down, the control plane is, is still up, right? It's still it's still running within your cluster typically. Now, you know, uh, I recently <clears throat> did a couple of uh, Dapper uh, projects for <clears throat> a large financial services company, right? And yeah. there are uh, significant challenges deploying Dapper into an AKS cluster or any Kubernetes for, uh, for that matter. You know, it requires all these permissions to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to deploy those Helm charts. Uh, there is, uh, like you said, uh, different security uh, settings that have to be made, uh, cluster role bindings and, and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. Explain to me how uh, like Conductor would fit into that. Like when you say it's the operational part, is that what is helping you kind of uh, structure or get a visibility in like, OK, this is the best way to set this up in your cluster? Yeah, so that's definitely a piece of it. Um, when you install the conductor agent on your cluster, you can essentially choose if you have, uh, if you already have Dapper installed there, you can say, hey, you know, I would like to upgrade the existing installation of my Dapper control plane and sidecars, or essentially you can install Dapper fresh into a new cluster. And we do provide both development and uh, production kind of quote unquote, you know, Helm settings that, you know, we have 
kind of cho chosen within the Helm chart for uh, those specific environments. So that's definitely one piece. It will it'll recommend you know values Helm values for your environment. But then um, once you have kind of the cluster connection up and running, and once you once you have actually installed Dapper with into the cluster, then the visibility itself really comes from the applications. Uh, you know how your applications are communicating with each other, the metrics around like you know error rate, latency, kind of those three golden metrics that you get that you want to see for all of your apps. And again, because Dapper runs as a sidecar model the specific calls from your application to your sidecar as well as vice versa and then component metrics so dapper you know has the idea of components which are essentially like infrastructure connections um that you know um like abstract the actual infrastructure away from your applications so we do also provide you know views and graphs and insights into these component metrics as well as automatic alerting that is set up uh, for all of the error rates in your cluster or you know if your if your pods are going your dapper sidecars are going down um, we have automatic alerting for all of that kind of built in. So it's just like an easier way. Of course, you could set all of that up yourself, um, but it's just an easier way. Dapper produces over 120 uh, metrics like within the open source project. And so figuring out which ones to look at can be really difficult and making, you know, dashboards and graphs for specific metrics is like not a uh, trivial, trivial amount of work, really. Right. So that's kind of where that visualization comes in and that insight. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So what I'm hearing is that it's uh, it's it's more about getting insights into what's happening inside of Dapper as opposed to configuring Dapper itself, mm -hmm. right? It's more about here's what I see, here's what you should do, and this is the kind of uh, operational status of that of Dapper. Is that uh, how? Is that kind of a summary of everything? Yeah, I mean, again, a little bit of both, I would say, but primarily like the day, we do want to really help with like the day two operations, um, at least in this point. We do have, you know, many ideas in terms of getting into kind of developer centric uh, clusters because again, Dapper is a developer tool, but then of course it's it's kind of you know tossed over the fence, if you will, and hosted by the ops team. So we wanted to lower that barrier for the operations for the platform teams initially, and then we want to work to, you know, help developers uh, kind of in the long run with the product. I know that I will say sorry. I was just gonna yeah, no, I was just gonna add on to that too, Sajit. So like uh one thing to consider is that we do see like different ways that customers like engage with conductor. So some customers are like, hey, we're going onto Kubernetes, like we really think Dapper is a great developer tool for us to leverage. Like this is a great runtime, it's gonna provide a lot of benefits. How can I start like how can I start with best practices from day one? So like to me, in that case, they can really leverage some of that more. Hey, I'm starting fresh with a new cluster. I want Dapper to be installed and completely managed by conductor from day one. But we also have cus customers who are running hundreds of clusters, have thousands of components and already really have Dapper installed on a lot of their clusters. So they're not necessarily going to come to conductor for the installation bits as they have, you know, they have that already done, they're going to then say, hey, I want to offload all of this management and I want to get full visibility at scale across these clusters through Conductor. So I definitely think kind of to Alice's point, there is there are multiple personas that benefit from this, but some customers and what they're looking to get out of the product might be slightly different depending on the stage of adoption that they're at. That makes sense. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the uh, I was mentioning working with this customer to try and uh, get it deployed and. And, and they are not uh, willing to adopt the uh, the AKS um, uh, agent uh, for uh, Dapper, right? They want to be able to install the Helm chart themselves uh, mm -hmm. because uh, they don't want to give too much of security permissions to something like a daemon set or an agent that they don't understand, right? So how do mm -hmm. you kind of address that that concern? Where you know they really want to be very uh, 
prescriptive in the in in the security permissions that they're giving to the cluster because yeah. you know dapper as a probably has like carte blanche access to a lot of the cluster right uh, and, and and they want to make sure that it's it's only got the right uh, amount of uh, permissions so is that something that the the, the product also handles uh, those kind of requirements yeah, good question. And we definitely we work also a lot with um, some some financial companies as well as people with very stringent security requirements. So I've definitely heard that come up. Uh, you're not the first person to say that for sure. Um, we do have a, a way you can install a conductor just sort of in a read only mode. And what will and what that will do is it'll just look at, uh, you know, the applications in the sidecars and give you more of a metrics um, view and visibility view into the cluster itself and will and will not actually do the management of the control plane um which was a was a feature request from a financial uh, customer so yes we can kind of deploy in that model that's one that's one thing however you do lose some of the benefits of the conductor tool itself we're not able to you know do the automatic upgrades of the control plane or you know we do offer also like automatic rollback so if the upgrade to the control plane fails what we'll do is we'll actually roll back automatically um, to the previous version that was successful within your cluster and we do also get things um, we have like new versions like re- release candidate versions dapper 112 is coming out hopefully this week and um, essentially we'll have the release candidate version i think it's rc4 that's in conductor right now for able for new users to try out so we totally do have an option to kind of deploy conductor in a read-only mode, if you will, um, but you do lose some of the the capabilities for sure. You know, Dapper dashboard is something that uh, we've been using uh, a lot uh, as, a, and it's uh, it's targeted as a developer tool, right? They say like if you're doing development, you want to use Dapper dashboard. They don't recommend you use it in production, right? To, to mm-hmm. actually deploy it. Uh, so, uh, is uh, uh, is the conductor seen as something that can be used both in development and in a production setting? Or like do developers also kind of uh, use that tool? Yeah, and that's actually something we've seen come up like more recently than anything. Kind of as Kendall mentioned, like depending on the stage where the user is in their Dapper journey, right? If they are kind of just starting out and they're like, we only have this project in, in kind of dev test and we have you know big ideas for the future, but today here's where it is. I would say we have a ton of those customers that are using, every, they've connected every one of their dev clusters. That's like their mini cube cluster on their local machine and they're using it kind of for insights. Um, but then we have multiple other customers who are using kind of the production uh, version, if you will. And we are working towards creating more developer centric features because, again, additionally, we created this product primarily for those ops teams, those users that were in later stages of development. But now we're seeing more and more uptake into uh, the local dev experience. But on the Dapper dashboard, for sure, we uh Yes, the DAP dashboard is it does is great. It doesn't give you kind of the same level of insights. And in the newest version of Dapper, it has been removed from the Helm chart. So in like Dapper 111 and above, um, you might notice that. But yeah, still still a great dev tool um, for sure. Yeah, and I like I to me I think Conductor is sort of like what the develop like what the what that dashboard would have looked like if it hadn't been sort of like something that just came out of someone's mind. It's like wow, we really want visibility into this. Like to me, the the intention behind the the Dapper dashboard is a lot of what motivated this, uh, you know, intention behind Conductor. But obviously, the the level of breadth and the amount of work and the feature set is extremely rich. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that's hard about the podcast is we can't give a visual because it would be so nice to be able to like pull it up and kind of walk through. But we do have a lot of resources we'll send after this, and we do monthly webinars and stuff. So definitely, if you're interested in kind of seeing this 
real time, uh, the visual will help kind of draw the the the, dis- the the distinction between the two the two services. One of the one of the things I really uh, wanted to see in the DAPA dashboard was a historical view, right? Uh, because I remember I, we used a lot of actors, DAPA actors in our project, for example, and the number of actors, were, you know, was going up from up to a thousand and was coming down and. And, you know, I wanted to go back in time and say, OK, when I ran this test, you know, what was the how many actors were active? So what's uh, how does that look like in conductor? Can I go back in time and say, OK, you know, what was the what happened at that particular uh, time frame? Yeah. Yeah. So like all of our logs and metrics are we do, you know, show them up to the past like seven days working on retention to up to 30. Um, but, yeah, essentially we have logs and metrics for that um, that you can see and you can see kind of each of the graphs. So you can look at actors, for instance. We've had so many people say, I would love to get some more visibility into my DAP reactors. Um, it was like one of our most requested features, honestly. And so we've within the newest version of it's Dapper 111, we have uh, enabled within the open source project many new metrics that have come with the open source project. And then, of course, created uh, graphs and default kind of visualizations for those. So you can see, you know, how many actor invocations you've had over the past seven days, how many actor errors or timers fired or reminders fired. All of that is is displayed up into into conductor and you can create custom alerts on all of it. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like, I think we kind of emphasize this in the beginning, beginning, but obviously, like Diagrid really is like a company that's very much like, centered around Dapper and and so like when we have a team just similar to how Microsoft works, right? We have a team that's like dedicated to contributing upstream and making sure that we have we have really good visibility and alignment on the upstream project. So the speed at which we can get uh, like features from upstream into the product is like quite astounding, just like because we are nimble and we're very focused on this. So, you know, after met- met- metrics, once again, an upstream became available in 111 and they're already in the product, right? Not only just like visibility into them, but actually like the user interface and the, you know, the client experiences, which is something that I've really appreciated is just the speed at which we try to align and get the dapper uh, innovation into the customer's hands in a managed way, like extremely fast, which, uh, yeah, I just think that's something worth worth highlighting. And, and since this is running a SaaS uh, model, uh, I guess in, in uh, Diagrid's own cloud somewhere, uh, there's not a whole lot of overhead, I'm guessing, on the case cluster, right? Uh, the agent that's running there, it's primarily what it's, 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 it's kind of monitoring all these, uh, all these events and uh, the signals that it's getting from the various DAPA components. Uh, I'm assuming it's like uh, Golang and whatnot, and uh, interconnection into all of that, and sending it all up to uh, to the SaaS uh, product. Is that how it works? Yeah, pretty much. So it only reaches outbound. Um, yeah, again, we wanted to be have as few uh, outbound kind of connectivity requirements as possible for like our enterprise customers. But essentially, yeah, the agent itself runs on your cluster. Um, there is also a daemon set that runs there, which would be like a version of the open telemetry collector that we have modified uh, to collect some of those metrics. And we today we're only collecting Dapper sidecar logs as well as Dapper metrics. So nothing, none of that information is, you know, private or personal. And we have, uh, yeah, you're right, send that back up to our cloud. We do also offer a Kubernetes operator uh, deployment. It, and so essentially what you can do is if you use like a GitOps model, like like Flux or um, Argo or something, what you can do is use the our Kubernetes operator and install that on your cluster instead. And this will, again, manage the uh, it does the same thing. It'll manage like the control plane. It'll manage the lifecycle of Dapper, the version, et cetera, and as well as the agent and daemon set itself. Um, and then still, yeah, send up to our cloud. Yeah, and like I think Alice touched on this briefly, but one thing to highlight is 
uh, like not only is the conductor agent and like these daemon sets, like that's kind of the only requirements on your cluster, but obviously people are like very intentional about not wanting to add an overhead to their clusters, right? There's like already so many things running in them. Um, so one thing we've heard from a lot of customers is that one of the neat features is, and I, I know Alice did talk about this, but I just want to like double click a little bit and I'm sure she can add some color as well. But think about the fact that uh, when you're getting these best practice recommendations, they're not just, hey, you should run the sidecar with this much CPU and memory. We're actually saying based on the throughput or based on the activity happening across your application and the associated sidecars, we actually give recommendations on how to optimize the application pods themselves. So we have heard from customers that we've significantly reduced their usage, not just like the Dapper control plane or like the Dapper data plane in terms of the sidecars, also the actual like consumption of the application workloads themselves. So I, yeah. Alice, I don't know if you want to highlight that and more specifically, but oh. yeah, I think that's been yeah, a big no, So we have had customers tell us that like we have reduced their CPU and memory usage, for instance, between 50 and 80% for some of their application and sidecars. Again, because when you are running Dapper at a high scale, you think about how many applications and how many sidecars you have. So if you have, you know, 100 apps and then you have, what we do is we, we look at the top 10 most resource intensive apps and then over the past 10 to 15 days and then recommend uh, lower values based on their average CPU and memory utilization um, for you kind of going forward. So yeah, we've had very good, very good, um, yeah, reports from our customers around that specific feature. So you're saying that based on that, they can change the, the resource limits on the pods? Yeah. Uh, is that what you're saying? Uh, and so that therefore they can be more densely packed uh, in the cluster, I guess, put in more yeah. uh, pods in there. Yes, exactly. And that, yeah, it's a hard problem, right? Like sizing your, <laughs> your applications, especially when you have like, again, the applications in the sidecars. So um, we try and kind of reduce some of that. We also do have some other performance advisories specifically around like ensuring that you're setting like as, as Kendall alluded to the like control plane limits and requests for um, the application for the Dapper control yes. plane. Yeah, yeah, kind of specifically on that, uh, you know, we had a uh, we reached some limits around reminders, right? I think I think there's there's also some limits around reminders, like we can have five thousand or something like that. So does it track all those uh, all that activity and say, oh, you know, hey, uh, you're kind of getting close to that, or or, or we you know we don't recommend you use uh, you know you overusing reminders or whatever it may be the case. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, so great question. This actually just came up this week because one of the things that uh, is happening within the Dapper 112 release is there's been a bit of a, there's been many improvements on reminders. Um, and one of the things that the open source kind of project is looking to do for Dapper 113 is kind of improve reminders kind of and remove the limit that you're, you're talking about. Um, so we don't have that specific advisory within Conductor because again, that is a, that's something that we want to fix upstream, if you will. Um, but yes, it, there is, you would have full visibility into kind of, again, how many were being uh, called, like when they were last invoked, as well as the error rate on those specific reminders, which you would start seeing uh, after you hit that limit for sure. <laughs> yeah, and we've, uh, like, Alice does a great job of kind of reevaluating what are the potential like default alerts or, you know, alert rules that we have in the product. And as new features come into Dapper Upstream, right, we want to make sure that we're being as proactive as possible in providing customers visibility into things. We know that they're going to face you know, down the road, whether it's like actors or, you know, workflow instances maybe being overutilized. Um, that's something we're also wanting to get into the conductor product is support for, for workflows and visibility into those as well. Um, so yeah, just, just something we're calling out there. It's just like the, we're constantly learning from what's happening in upstream. And you can tell Alice is extremely 
knowledgeable about what's happening there because of how much it impacts uh, the product and what you hear from customers. So. Right. Yeah, and actually, sorry, to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, what you mentioned earlier around like the deployment model and Dapper needing so many permissions that is like, or not like it needs permissions to be deployed into your cluster. That is also something that has become a hot topic is sort of being able to deploy Dapper at a namespace level. Um, that is sort of a name that is namespace and doesn't have kind of the, uh, it doesn't reach outside of that. We have had multiple people kind of ask for this as well as um, working kind of towards it within within the upstream project as well. So. Great. Yes, wondering like you know, so if somebody wants to get started on this, uh, on uh, using or playing around with Diagrid, uh, what's the kind of best way? Is it like, okay, I've got my uh, uh, mini AKS, uh, as you know, uh, nowadays is uh, is a thing, and uh, or uh, I've got my uh, mini cube or whatever uh, set up. Is that is that the best way to kind of kick the tires a little bit in, on Diagrid? Yeah, I mean, 100%. It's very much, again, we support like pretty much every Kubernetes distribution uh, within CNCF. Again, we, main, the main ones we test on, of course, are the cloud-backed uh, ones, as I mentioned, AKS, EKS, GKE, and OpenShift. Um, but we do, like if you had any local distribution, we are offering free trials as well of Conductor. The, we, do, we typically may have them 30-day trials. And then if you have a project you know, that is using uh, Dapper within production, uh, 100%, I'll, I'll post a link or I'll put the link in the show notes here uh, for how to sign up for one of those. Yeah, and I do want to call out, we haven't we haven't mentioned this yet. And can you all hear me okay? Yes, yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so this is something that Alice is really spearheading, but I know that we wanted to kind of just like highlight this as something that uh, like Azure users specifically should keep be mindful of is that we're actually working to get Conductor into the Azure marketplace. So uh, like if you were interested in connecting Conductor to your AKS cluster, it'd be a super simple process, very similar to the process for working with most SaaS uh, services. And obviously there's some requirements that have to be met in order to include something in the marketplace. So those are things we're working on now, but yeah, just Stay tuned if you're really interested in working with Conductor, that might be the best way for you to get up and running. Uh, you know, Minimally, you're probably still gonna wanna go through the process of, of meeting with us and talking to us about the product, but it's still, it's still something to consider that it will be at least visible and, and discoverable there. Um, yeah, so just like, I, I just wanted to call that out. Yeah, just something to be mindful of. And then like, I know Alice, I know Alice, we had one more thing that we wanted to like highlight just before the end of the call. Do you wanna talk a little bit about kind of in addition to Conductor, what we're also offering customers? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the only other thing to like besides the Azure Marketplace, one of the other things that we do um, that we have been working really hard on is our support model around the Dapper enterprise support. And so essentially what we do is we offer production SLA support for Conductor, of course, uh, but then we have open source Dapper support uh, where we help investigate Dapper production issues and we can provide temporary patches for priority issues within Dapper upstream. Um, and again, we do have an engineering team that's entirely focused on upstream patches. Of course, we cannot... Uh, guarantee that it will be an upstream project within any time because it is an open source project, but we can give uh, patched builds, so like images of the Dapper runtime to our customers within, you know, up to 72 hours kind of of reporting a critical issue in production. So yeah, just something that we add that, that comes like along with Conductor for sure, but uh, that is something that kind of you get with the product as well. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for all that detail. Uh, uh, anything uh, anything else you want to add in terms of what's upcoming? Uh, uh, you talked about some of the developer tooling and things that you're working on. Anything that you can uh, discuss publicly? I think on the conductor side, I think Alice did a good job of like being generic while not giving away like specific features. A lot of that is just because it's still things that we're designing and kind of determining the best way that we can integrate those products in. But overarching theme is how do we 
you know, now that we've lowered the operational burden, how do we now bring developers more into the forefront and make Conductor something that's suitable and provides the kind of capabilities they're also looking for to get more out of the product? Um, but we are working on another product at Diagrid. So, um, you know, I can just share briefly, you know, if you go to our website, you can take a quick peek at it. So it's it's not something that I can give a timeline on, but it is something that we've been incubating um, that I've been focused on pretty much since I joined. And really the goal is how do we unlock Dapper from Kubernetes, uh, like at a kind of small fundamental level, right? How do we take all these amazing API-based capabilities and essentially allow customers to access them from anywhere, right? So like Alice mentioned in the beginning, 90% of our customers running uh, in production with Dapper are running on Kubernetes. So like, how do we help alleviate some of the uh, the lock-in that we see with Dapper and Kubernetes and instead bring a lot of those core capabilities to customers uh, with more flexibility? So uh, that's just something to consider. Uh, definitely we'll hopefully you know, be able to come on and talk about that product in the future as it'll have a lot of great uh, you know, Azure capabilities as well. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to highlight that, that we're definitely not stopping at, you know, Conductor. We have a lot of really great ideas on how we can make developers' lives easier, essentially, and really help unlock from that, uh, you know, the current the current uh, open source Kubernetes-centric mindset and really bring those Dapper capabilities to more, to more people. So, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. Feel free to take a look at our website and just stay tuned as hopefully we'll have some announcements about that product in the, in the coming, coming months, coming years. Uh, stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, thanks. This has been great. Uh, really good insights into the product and how it works with uh, Kubernetes and AKS and other Kubernetes uh, installations as well. So kudos uh, on the new offering and hope all goes well. Uh, so we'll get some of those links for you and put them in the show notes uh, along with the recording. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, and I guess the last thing I was going to say should you, if anyone's at KubeCon, you know, we'll have a booth there. We'll be showing off, uh, you know, many our our existing product and conductor and, and maybe have a sneak peek for a new one. So yeah, come say hi. Yeah, absolutely. We'll both be there. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.